0: Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven. We ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you have and are here in our midst. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, it's going to take us a minute to get to Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok River. But we'll get there. That's definitely where we're headed. But I think it will serve us well to sort of review a little bit about Jacob's story before we try to interpret this very strange passage that we have before us this morning. I think that taken just as it is from the start of this particular story to the end, this story of Jacob wrestling with a strange man who turns out to be God and coming away with a blessing, a new name and a broken hip, is almost impossible to understand on its own. It's only when you realize that in many ways this is the climax of Jacob's entire life that this story begins to make sense. Everything that came before is building to this. But what came before? Now, many of you will know sort of the highlights of Jacob's story, and the highlights are really all I'm going to try to hit this morning. Jacob was the second son of Isaac who was the second son of Abraham. Now this business about them being the second sons is actually pretty important because at the time, being the first son meant everything. It was a time in which the first son inherited the lands and the wealth and the blessing of his father. And this status as second son will dog Jacob for his entire life. Indeed, the story of Jacob's birth and how he gets his name is a fascinating beginning to Jacob's story and will help us understand this wrestling event that comes all those years later. Jacob and his brother Esau are twins, but they couldn't be more different. Esau is traditionally masculine, right? He is described at his birth as being so hairy... That it, as, as though his entire body is covered with a hairy cloak, he was a hunter and the favorite of his father. Jacob, on the other hand, is described as a, quote, quiet man dwelling in tents. <laughs> not, not quite the same imagery, is it? But they're, they're just living into the roles that society has planned out for them. Because even though they are twins, Esau is the oldest, even just those few minutes make all the difference. He's the man of the family. The father's favor, the father's blessing, the father's inheritance are all rightfully his because he came out a couple minutes before Jacob. And this is actually where we get Jacob's first act. Literally, the first thing he does as he's coming out of his mother's womb Jacob, who is coming out second, he's grasping at Esau's heel, which is how he gets his name. Jacob means he takes by the heel or he cheats from the very beginning. His first act is trying to claw his way into a place ahead of Esau, trying to be first. Trying to claim that which is not rightfully his. And then in the very next verses in Genesis, the very first story we get about these brothers as they get a little bit older outside the womb. Esau is exhausted as he's coming in from the field and he finds Jacob cooking some stew. Again, we see these roles, right? Esau coming in from the field, Jacob cooking a meal. But Esau is Exhausted, he's desperate for sustenance, but Jacob won't give him any, won't give him any of the stew that he's making unless and until Esau agrees to trade his birthright for it, right? Oh, I see that you're hungry. Give me everything you have coming to you and I'll give you a bite to eat. Again, here's Jacob clawing to get ahead, doing whatever he can to get what someone else deserves. Another meaning that's applied to the name Jacob is one who reaches, right? Reaches for the heel, one who reaches or even over reaches. And that's exactly what Jacob is doing. He's trying to reach beyond his place. Later, when Isaac, the twin's father, is old and blind, he decides to have a formal anointing ceremony to bestow his eldest son Esau with his birthright. Now, in order to trick his father, once again trying to get that birthright, Jacob, admittedly here with some help from his mother, dresses in Esau's clothes and puts sheep's wool on all of his exposed skin. Remember how hairy Esau is. Jacob puts sheep's wool on all of his exposed skin so that Isaac will think that he is his hairy, masculine favored brother. Again, trying by cheating to get something that is not his. Even later, after he's fled his homeland to escape Esau's wrath, at this point, Esau has promised to kill Jacob on sight. You can see why he's finally had enough of his brother's antics. Fleeing home, Jacob goes to stay with his uncle, Laban, And in yet another example of Jacob overreaching, he tries to get Laban to give him Rachel, his beautiful younger daughter, to marry. But this time, Laban tricks Jacob and sends his older, not nearly so attractive daughter Leah into the marriage bed instead. And Jacob has to work for seven more years to get Rachel, the wife he really wants. So this is Jacob's story. And this is Jacob. Uh, Tim Keller notes that for his whole life, Jacob has been wrestling with other people, trying to get a blessing. He wants the blessing of being the firstborn. He wants the blessing of his father. He wants the blessings due his brother. He wants the blessing of his uncle. He's desperate, and he wrestles with all of them. And that's how it is. That's the setup. When we come to this shadowy figure and a midnight wrestling match. Now, we can see the importance of this story and how it serves as the climactic event of Jacob's entire life. Jacob, now after spending a lifetime of wrestling with people, wrestles with God. And in so doing, realizes that God has the thing he's wanted all along the blessing that he's always craved, the thing that will make him whole, the blessing that Jacob has always tried to reach for is God's to give. But something drastic has to happen for him to realize it. Jacob has to be broken. Now, there was a picture for the San Francisco Giants I knew that you knew that was going to be my next sentence. right? Jacob has to be broken. There was, a few years ago, a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants named Barry Zito. Actually, a few more than a few years ago now. I, every time I think of these things, I realize that I'm significantly older than I think I am. Uh, but when Zito was with his first team, the Oakland A's, he was one of the best pitchers in all of Baseball, But then as a free agent, he signed one of the biggest contracts in the history of the sport and immediately began to struggle with his new team, the Oakland A's. And of course, because people, sports fans, are so understanding and compassionate, um, he was hounded mercilessly for being so rich and yet playing so poorly. He was so bad that when the Giants, a few years later, made the World Series, they left him off their World Series roster entirely. We don't need you. And Eventually, he was basically forgotten and considered a joke. But then, a few years after that, all of a sudden, Barry Zito, out of nowhere, began pitching well again. What happened? Well, he was asked about this all the time, and here's a quote that Zito... Cave to ESPN the magazine in an effort to explain what had happened, how he had, after all these years, begun pitching well again. Here is what Barry Zito said. I had this very odd injury, a Liz Frank ligament tear. I came off the field after never being hurt in 11 years and said, all right, something bigger is going on here. A message is being sent, and I've got to Listen. A few months later, my best friend told me a story I really love. A shepherd will be leading his sheep, and one of the sheep will be walking astray from the pack. The shepherd will take his rod and break the sheep's leg, and the shepherd will have to rely the sheep will have to rely on the shepherd to get better. But once that leg is completely healed, that sheep never leaves the side of the shepherd ever again. That's a really beautiful metaphor. A lot of things happen to us as people, and we realize we've been relying on our own strength for too long. I got a tattoo, and it's the only one I have of a golden calf on the inside of my right biceps. I show people that, and it signifies idolatry, and that I was putting things before God. This is how he explained his improvement as a picture. I was putting things before God, and I realized it was idolatry. Zito needed to be broken before he could be healed. He needed to realize his own strength was insufficient, and that what he needed, only God could give. The shepherd will take his rod and break the sheep's leg, and the sheep will have to rely on the shepherd To get better. When the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob. He struck him on the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint. As he wrestled with him. Keller says that the Hebrew here implies a light touch. And a basically shattered hip. Incredible power that has been being held back. Is released. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Enough. God has sent his message. He has brought Jacob into an awareness of his need. All of a sudden, all of his striving, all of his reaching, all of his overreaching is revealed as idolatry. He wanted to be first. He wanted the blessing. He wanted the inheritance. He wanted the beautiful wife. But the blessing that he had been reaching for was God's to give and had been all along. So Jacob grabs onto God desperately and begs for a blessing. And God says to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. My friend Andy, the uh, pastor of Fellowship Church, right up here on the street, we were talking about this piece of scripture, and he suggested wisely, I think, that Jacob's revelation of his name is a confession. I can almost hear the defeat in his voice. What is your name? (sighs) Jacob, it means cheater. Cheater. In a minute, we'll confess too. We'll admit to God that we have not done the things we ought to have done. And we have done the things we ought not to have done. So what is your name? Cheater? Idolater? Adulterer? Liar? Certainly reacher for something that is only God's to give. These and more are our names. We are Jacob, wrestling here, there, and everywhere, trying to secure blessings for ourselves. But then we hear the holy word of Almighty God, and it is as if God himself has touched us, shattering our bones. Jacob walks away from his wrestling match. Limping. He bears for the rest of his life the evidence of God's touch upon his body. He will never forget that he came into contact with God's holiness and that by all rights, it should have killed him. But it didn't. Jacob marvels. I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. In the same way, our lives are preserved by God's revelation of himself, this time in Jesus Christ. And where was that revelation made most profound? On the cross, in suffering, in death, in brokenness. We limp like Jacob. We bear the scars of an interaction with a holy God. In other words, we know our sin. We hear the word read and we recognize that our name is cheater, idolater, adulterer, liar, reacher for something that is only God's to give. We walk with a limp. And every time we feel our limp, we confess And every time, on account of Christ, we are forgiven. But God's touch and our limp aren't the end of our story. God's not done with us yet. Jacob gets a new name. And so do we. He confesses his former striving by admitting his name and gets a new one. You confess your sins, and you get a new name too. You are no longer called cheater, or idolater, or adulterer, or anything else. Those names were nailed to the cross right under the placard that read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. You are now named in honor of that name, the name that is above every name. You are called beloved. You are called good and faithful servant. Not on account of your reaching, but on account of Christ's giving. Jacob was awed by the good news. I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. That good news is true for you today. You have seen God face to face in Christ. And in him and on account of him, your life is preserved. Amen.